Tom Bernard Show with Mike Bryant, Tevin Pittman, co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Brent Bernard, Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back for Hour 2, Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Oh, there you oh. go. All the jams today. <laughs> really weird about the world perception <laughs> perception is very very weird because true. i have heard people say that megan markle is stunningly beautiful or homely as hell now how could you be both there's a lot of people who have that for just some people look at them really? different ways yeah I always find, and I think somebody's nice looking, and then they are. I find out that they're jerks. All of a sudden, they're like, "What did I ever think that they were nice looking yeah. for?" Yeah. Well, you married. Personality is the biggest factor, I think, in how yeah. nice looking somebody. Yeah, to you, think. <laughs> he kind of like, got like yeah, a smiling smirk the way you falling. said that. Yeah. yeah you know, like, well, here's what I like. Yeah, great. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. It was that in Minnesota where that dad was shot while camping with his daughters? No, I think that was out west. Oh, somewhere. I thought it was a Minnesota man, though. Oh, maybe. Oh, somebody He's told got me some was. connection to Minnesota. I'm really? sure we figured that out. We did. I'm sure. Channel Seven. Uh, Channel Seven. Yeah. I still can't believe and that that would happen. Why would somebody shoot him? A 35-year-old California father killed while camping with his two young daughters has been identified as an avid outdoorsman who is known as a brilliant chemist. Investigators believe that the girls were in the tent with Tristan Baudet when he was shot in the upper chest shortly before 5 o'clock in the morning on Friday in Malibu Malibu Creek State Park in Calabasas. The girls who are two and four years old were not a. You shot a two and four years old. Four year old kids. Wow. It kind of sounds like maybe one of the kids got the gun. No. No, they'd probably have a less of a story than that, but wow. That's terrible. That's sad. That's really bad. My God. And they don't have any clue who did it yet, huh? No, they have no clue who shot huh. Yeah, he took the girls camping because his wife was home studying for something. I don't remember if she's passing the bar or medical hmm. exam or I'm something. I'm glad you I don't didn't know. have that fantasy. That's great. <laughs> hey, tell them, why don't you take the kids camping? No, I'm not going camping. Sorry. I went camping with you once, though, and God, did I hate that. 
sleeping in a tent up on the top of Saddleback Mountain in Canada. Sleeping in a permanent tent on a bed. It was horrendous. <laughs> okay. uh, wow. It was horrible, was it? I okay. could hear the mosquitoes outside the street. <laughs> I, could oh hear I could hear the mosquitoes. I could hear mosquitoes. One time when I was elk hunting with my dad, we went by a tent, and the tent had two, two, two giant things of beer and a giant thing of onions. <laughs> That was it. What? That's all they had in the tent. That's all they had in the whole camp. Why? I still wonder who has that camp. It's a scary person. Tuesday. Well, maybe the combination scares away mosquitoes. Uh, maybe. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Bears. Maybe, maybe but that was the only like sign of life in that camp. I told her, huh, Scott? She said, we're going to, uh, for our honeymoon part of it, I want to ride ride horses up Saddleback oh, Mountain. Here's line number one. <laughs> you wanted to go uh, riding horses up Saddleback Mountain. This and then whole thing was your idea. I was going to say, you down. can just admit that he you wanted trying, to go and be an outdoorsman. Yeah, he was trying presser. to I'm from me. North Minneapolis. <laughs> I don't want to be an outdoorsman. No thank you. And you stayed in a tent in your sister's cabin's lawn one time. God, no in the way. lawn. That was horrible. <laughs> oh, God, it's so Because bad. there were mosquitoes, literally. Just, you couldn't open up the little tent oh. flap without 400 of them coming in. It was like, where, did the, where I, is this cabin? I, I do remember that time at my sister's because we went on oh. that grindstone lake, it was called. And I swallowed some lake water, so I kind of puked it up. Yeah. And I got back to shore, and my mother goes... Why don't you have another beer? <laughs> it's like, Mom, it's, sorry, it was lake water. Lake water. God. That's, that's <laughs> I don't even know if you know about this one because it's kind of mean, but uh, you and your brothers were all in the lake. Yeah. She is smoking her cigarettes, and she's sitting on shore in a lawn chair smoking cigarettes. And she goes, God, look at them like a bunch of walruses. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Wow. Yeah, thanks, Dutch. Wow. Great to be your kid. <laughs> thanks, Mother Dear. Walruses. <laughs> a walrus. What the hell's wrong with her? Jeez. Backstabber. <laughs> she was unbelievable. Well, you were all kind of a little chunky back then. <laughs> I do remember that my dad, when he, he came back for a couple of months when I was 16 years old, and he goes, hey, Toots, you want to get on to the Wonder Bar? Why? So I could wonder why I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, those two just never. I don't know how the hell they ever had seven kids. They never got along, ever. <laughs> He was nuts, man. Man, he was. Oh God, never mind. Yeah. We'll just move it's on. A whole from another there. podcast. Yeah, it's a whole different. That's the Psycho Podcast. Yeah. The Psycho Podcast. And you're listening to the Psycho Podcast. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's just uh, it's the way life is. Yeah, I didn't know she said that. Who a bunch of walruses. What the <laughs> hell? Oh, nice he's, mother. Now he's going to be obsessing about that. <laughs> yeah, way to go, Kath. You uh, ruined my day on a Monday. Uh, well, you think it's classic, hilarious, do you? Toots, smoking her cigarette, passing judgment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. It's absolutely true. That's how Toots was. You know, I, that guy over there is a real goofball. Like, Don't you settle down, Mom. Not a goofball. Oh, yeah. I remember Andy hadn't seen her in a while, and he came over, and she's like, uh, you turned out better than I thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> I was like high praise yeah. coming from her. That was high praise coming from her. It's true. I don't true. think she ever said one nice thing to me. Ever. Ever? Ever. At all? Never. She said no nothing point? nice to anybody. Never. Nothing. Huh. My dad was mentally ill and she was crab-eared in hell. It was a really nice combo. I mean, I adored my mother. Don't get me wrong. She was my hero. She said but... nice things to Tim Palenti. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Except for... You know, I love you, Tim, but I'd yeah. never vote for well, you. I kind of right. got the impression she never really took to me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you know why that is? Because you reminded her of Ted's wife. Oh, see? We're finding out all kinds of stuff today. Yeah, and I don't know Ted's wife. So. And I always liked her. Her name was Ines. And she was always very, very nice to me. What the hell are you Ines? laughing about? I-N-E-Z. It's Sounds a French like, name. I know how to spell it. It just makes me French, laugh. It's, it's a, a funny French, name. It's, it's funny anus, that she, okay. she, she, yeah, she thought of Catherine as, yeah, I just, that made me laugh. So, <laughs> That's really great. You know? No, but she, Joe from Louisville just called in. He did? Joe, how you doing? Good. How are you? Marvelous. I'm just working like a dog. That's all I ever do. Yeah. 
right? He goes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how would your barbecue go? That was actually pretty good. Well, that's good. Did, did your mother cook or your my dad mom cook? Made, uh, my mom. She, okay. she also made something called a ca- cowboy caviar. What's that? That's absolutely no caviar in it whatsoever. I like that. That's it's a good uh, idea. But what's oh, in it? Yeah, it, was, it was really, really good. It was a big hit, too. I've heard of that, but I don't know what's in it. Unbelievable! Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. I will tell you that it was it was really nice to meet your family. They were all very, very. Your mom does have a look in her eye like I'm about to cause some trouble here. You do know that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, what do you think I got it from? <laughs> I suppose that is true. So what do you got? How long are you in town? Um, we leave next Friday, not this Friday, but the Friday after the fourth. Oh, you always oh, so you're up here the whole time. Are they allowing fireworks in your in Invergrove Heights, or is it like St. Paul, no fireworks? Uh, I don't know. We usually light off our own. Oh, you do? You, you, you get, isn't that illegal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially if we're crossing yeah, borders so with them, I wouldn't be promoting that. Yeah, probably <laughs> so. not, but, you know, it all works out in the end. Are, they, are fireworks legal uh, for home use in Kentucky? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, now we know how that happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they got uh, they got they got fireworks stands all over the place down there. Well, that's good. And he told me, Joe told me last week, that there are drive-in theaters everywhere in Louisville. Really? Huh. Yeah. Wow. Still got that's cool. Well, they can use them year-round, though. I mean, part of the problem is mm-hmm. you can't use them year-round right. here. That's yeah, true. that is a problem. So, I mean, not really. if you're in your car. Oh, right, I suppose you have... Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fine, isn't it? Everybody dies. You'd have to plow it. You'd have to... Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's all sorts of extra yeah. issues that pop up. So, can, so do they do they keep the drive-ins open in Louisville all year round? I don't know. Like I said, I just found out about them recently. Oh, that's true. That is true. You, you got to remember down there, they think 60 degrees in winter's right around the yep. corner. Yep. <laughs> that was cool when I was down there for the Derby. It was 40s and 50s, and that was cool. Oh, yeah, there. I yeah. would imagine that's, that's probably beautiful. true. I'd imagine it's probably true. So what do you got going on? What are you guys going to – now, are you staying at your parents' house? Yeah. A nice house. I like that house. It's very comfortable. But I got uh, in a little family secret that uh, Joe didn't behave – there's a family pool, and he used to jump off the railing into the cannonball into the pool. Hmm. It's like no, his mom and dad never knew about it. That was really nice. He waited until they left the house. Yes, he, they waited, yeah. he waited until he bailed, and then he started misbehaving like a madman. So, well, the neighborhood kids came over and said, hey, we used to do this when this other kid used to live here, so okay, well, let's give it a try. Yeah, may as well. And by the way, Catherine, you can never go over to their house because the entire deck is covered in flowers. Oh, I like that. Nice. What no, kind of no, flowers? No, just part of it. Just part of it. Like we said, the, most years she's got the entire deck covered. Oh, it's unbelievable. There, how many? There's got to be at least what fifty, sixty potted plants there. Potted flowers. I mean, a lot of them. He's not, not sure. telling me. He's, he's, <laughs> 32 of them. Oh, 32 oh, did of them. Oh, you're out and count outside them? right now? Are you out wow. back of the house? Again? You're out back of the yeah. house right now? That's cool. Oh, he was counting. So after I left, did anybody go, yeah, that, I, that, I, that guy Tom's kind of a dick. Anybody ever get that opinion? Yes. What's <laughs> that? In the Mustang, riding along. No, he, <laughs> Joe works for Ford, so he likes the Mustang. No, I just meant... <laughs> No, <laughs> after God. it was over. Unbelievable. In any yeah, we case. We had a driveway full of Fords yesterday. We had a driveway full of Fords, and we had storytelling like there was no tomorrow. And nice. It was interesting. That was a good, that yeah, was a good time. Yeah, everybody enjoyed it. And I, as I told you, I got home in right, right on a half hour, so I was actually five minutes early. Yeah, that's cool. It was. Hey, Captain, did you tell you, did you tell you what happened with coming over here? No. Oh, God, I hate GPS. Ah, you use GPS? Well, First of all, I can't believe that you could even find the app on your phone. His family lives on a dirt road, and apparently GPS doesn't acknowledge dirt roads. Really? Not a lot of them. Yeah. Well, not, not to mention, within the last 15 years, there's been major construction over here, changing oh. 
the routes of some of the roads. So good to go. And uh, Inver Grove Heights. Mm. And I still don't understand how Dodd Road ends, then you got a jog left, and then Dodd Roads begin again. It's that's City, odd. Yeah. Roads planning. Well, the Dodd Road that ends comes in from West St. Paul and St. Paul. Oh, okay. And isn't West St. Paul and East St. Paul actually? Back in the seventies, and then they built this up out here, and then they had to put this Dodd Road in. I mean, it's a nice. That's so, a nice neighborhood they live in. Catherine, yeah, he, when he was coming over, he called me, or he texted me, said, will you please call me and tell me how to get there? And this GPS is, this, he says, GPS sucks. Well, it does so I called him up, the first three words out of his mouth was, I want to hang myself. <laughs> yeah, Tom doesn't do well with uh, directions and traffic problems. That's very true. Loses his mind. That's very, very true. So then he gets home. And calls me, I'm like, uh-oh. I answered the phone. I said, did you get lost again? <laughs> I did. I got lost going home this time. No, I didn't run into one bit of traffic. There was no traffic all the way back to my house. It was, it was wonderful. It was great. A rare event in Minneapolis. Oh, God, yeah. There's no doubt about okay. that. So hopefully everybody had a good time. I know we had, uh, had a few laughs, which is always a good thing. That's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. All right, well, say hello to everybody for me, if you would. I'd appreciate it. Will do. All right, thanks, Joe. I'll talk <laughs> to you later. You. Bye. Joe from All Louisville, right. ladies and gentlemen. I thought he went off the phone to go say right. hello to everybody. Oh, we can get I... two calls now? There are 13 of them now. Yes. We can do group calls. Oh, I didn't know we um, didn't... I'm impressed. Did you get we that thing call? Cassie told you to get? Um... It's not that easy. There's equipment we have to get. Oh, okay. So well, we got another care. call? No, no. Tim's still oh. Tim Lambert. Oh, oh Tim's still. Timmy. Oh, yeah. I'm here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. so, and, and Lammers, last week we talked about uh, Luke Cage season two coming out. Did you oh, get yeah. to check that out? Yeah, I did the first episode. Okay. And uh, I like what, I like it so far a lot. I really like. And have you watched any, Tevin? Yeah, I binge watched it the whole season. Really? On like really? Yeah, really? Like, season two. I tell you, I love in, uh, in the show, and I and I hope the interviewer again for it is um, Alfre Woodard. She is so great in this show. Yeah, and they have uh, the, the new what's her Denise Gabrielle Dennis. Um, Denise Dennis? Gabri- no, Gabrielle Dennis is a new character that oh. came in, and she was phenomenal in it. Her and the uh, mother of the show, I forget her name now. But, yeah, they have great scenes all season, so it's a good <laughs> I heard you said you could really, beat up. Yeah, I, so I've seen the first episode so far, but I, uh, I'm going to probably finish the rest of it this week. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. You, family, friends, and the calm of the water. If this sounds like heaven, you're going to want a flow dock. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you could install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Call or visit Flow's newest dealer in Chanhassen. Lakeshore Equipment, 952-474-DOC or lakeshoreequipment.com, of course. Flow docks and lifts, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan, and now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth, just like me, at their free informational dinner on Monday, July 23rd at 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. I've lost over 65 pounds at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth after being educated on clean eating finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that our weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutramost weight loss plan is so easy, and they guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. 
Call now to register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on July 23rd. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. And anxiety, and he's got nothing thought, to come up. He can't sleep. I thought That's in Minnesota it was uh, like really bad diseases like cancer and stuff. No, it's, it's expanding. It. It's expanding. And there's that place in Robbinsdale that apparently dispenses to, like, anybody. So, you know, I, oh, I, I'm a, a virgin of red hair. Oh, okay. Well, that, you know. <laughs> I'm married to a redhead. Give me some pot. Here you go. That'll be good. That, that's the source of your problems. <laughs> so i got to find out. I thought there was only one doctor in the Twin Cities that could send you to the pot clinic. No, I think it's more than that. I think it's you can get referred over there, and then you go see them at the dispensary. and then got to find one. Yeah. Because I do sleep really well on – it's the uh, – it's the, what is it, Andy? The Indica. Indica. Yeah, Indica. The Indica. So they can yeah. come up with something that gets you to sleep and get some more sleep. Wonderful. Well, I've looked into it because of my Crohn's. And what you have to do is you have to fill out an application through the state, which I believe is like $200 just yeah. to fill out the application. And then you got to find a doctor that will prescribe it. That is that so insane. That may not bucks. be in the network, so you're going to have to pay full cost for the visit and consultation. And then you take your prescription over to the dispensary. And I think it for to treat my Crohn's, it was like six to eight hundred dollars a month. That's oh expensive. Or you can just go I know a guy. I know a guy. I can go buy a bag for sixty bucks. Well, <laughs> yeah, we did it's not find even out. illegal anymore on Hennepin Avenue. No, it's not. <laughs> we did find so. out that ninety-six percent of the pot dealers on Hennepin Avenue are black. So that was, <laughs> that was interesting. And they called it racist because they were only busting black guys. They're the only ones there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're only bl- if you're only busting like black drug dealers out in the suburbs, then maybe we yeah. Got then, we can ta- then we should talk. Exactly. <laughs> then we can talk, but. Uh, do these people never get out of town? Did you hear that Melvin Carter doesn't want to have fireworks at CHS Field this year? We have, I haven't heard that. We have better things to spend our money on. Yeah. So is he trying to say he doesn't want to celebrate America's birthday? What is that all about, Tevin? You're going to have to answer for him. Um, yeah, I would say that uh, it's definitely very anti-American. It's very, no. Um, I don't know, like, <laughs> fireworks, I feel like it's in a law that every stadium is required if they're there on the 4th of July, like, to do fireworks. Like, every stadium That's does fireworks. Right. Who but, doesn't do fireworks? But not, not here anymore. Twins don't always do them on 4th of July, do they? Though. Well, I guess there's, like, a game. Night. They're July 2nd. Yeah. yeah Baby's saying we don't want to pay for it. You guys got to pay for it. No, they do pay for it. He just doesn't want them to have. Them. Oh, he's saying that they can't do it. I, know. I don't know. Why it's wouldn't just, uh, who I don't knows? Know. I, you know, honest to God, everybody hates everybody now. It's just unbelievable. It mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Which, it's sickening. Uh, we went to break, but uh, the question I was trying to ask before the break when I first walked in is, I just go back to this, is I'd rather be told don't eat than have them spit in your food and back. That yeah, would be good. That's true. You know, that's and true. if these people don't want to feed you, I don't want to eat there. Yeah, I, I just well, don't know are, why they would do that. Are you supposed to present your political um, affiliation every time you walk no, into an, really. a business establishment now? Well, they wanted, when they were saying boycott the donut, the DFL donut place at the fair, there were people that were saying that. Well, it's terrible. Know, it's it all doesn't ridiculous. matter. Why? It's like, it doesn't, it, to me, if a business decides they don't want to do it, I think it's ridiculous and I think it's stupid, but there's an impact to it. So people won't go there. So I sure. think they're going to be hurt by this in the long run. I just don't understand. But the reality really is don't. I'd rather be told I don't want to feed you than have them spit in it. Or That's worse. just the way I feel in it. Or yeah, worse. or worse. I like get that, that not spitting in it. Get that basket pie? full of skin. You know, that, that <laughs> chicken <laughs> full of skin <laughs> that those cops <laughs> got. Oh, yeah the, the, yeah, the breading. The breading. It was an entire bucket full of breading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were not happy. No, it, but it'd be easier to say don't, you know, and I don't know. I think her making a big deal out of it from her side with after promoting the whole the cake thing, they, it's crazy. It's all a bunch well, of craziness. I, businesses doing it, but yeah. if they do it, there's consequences. I mean, I think that businesses should be allowed to withhold service from whoever they choose to i do think that, that well I except, think that, except you got businesses that wouldn't yeah i mean that wouldn't wouldn't serve blacks and i mean no, you, I'm, well not that not like yeah. crazy, not week. like that but like if you know yeah. if somebody well, comes in and acting like, like a yeah. crazy person they could they should be able to boot mm-hmm. them out without like oh he, they're from a certain category that i shouldn't be uh, that stuff is murky to me mm-hmm. i wonder if they did spit in their food because they did eat 
They did? They did. Yeah. Huckabee's? They said, they I don't think she said oh. there'll be no charge for your food. I she, thought they didn't serve them. Uh, they, uh, My understanding was she went in back and said, do you want to serve them? And the staff said they didn't want to serve her. So she said, sorry, we're not going to serve you because we made this decision. So I don't think they ever got served. We're very That's pressed. the way I'm rating it too, Mike, that, that she wasn't even served, that they just asked her to leave. <laughs> I'll tell you, if they brought me food and said, we don't want to eat here, yeah. I'd be like, eh, I think we'll just, <laughs> just take a pass on that. Anybody Good. want this? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you eat it first? <laughs> yeah, I just... I don't understand all this stuff. Seriously, who who cares about any of this stuff? Why do people get so wound up about their politics? I don't get it. You know, like I said, uh, Roy Seacoff is as liberal as you can get. He started the Huffington Post with Ariana Huffington, and he and Andrew Breitbart, who was at Huffington Post at one time, they said they loved each other and they were the best of friends. So, I mean, you can have two completely different opinions and still enjoy the person uh, why can't we do that any longer i don't know it's almost like a badge of honor how hateful you are towards it's another true, the yeah. other party i mean i hate doug sprinthal but you know you don't have to be <laughs> holding it against him you know? mm-hmm. so he goes yeah thanks michael uh-huh yep <laughs> sprinthal he's a piece of work oh by the way he wants to have dinner on july 3rd which he told me Boy, the we're first time. We're going to be packing here. a lot into our little two nights. Yeah, we are. Away. But those are two. Th- those dinners would be on the same night, so that's. Oh, we can't do that. No. Well, well we could take him down there though. <clears throat> oh. To Ti. That'd true. be good. Okay. But yeah, we uh, we're going to have a really good time. We love going down to Red Wing. Do you ever go down and ride the Cannon Valley Trail? Either one of you. Oh, on the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I have not. Nope. This is oh not God, horseback. This is not one of his no, horseback trips. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a horseback deal. Hey, look, Tom brought the horse again. You know what's so weird about that trip, too? Because it was on our honeymoon. So we rode horses up the mountain and whitewater rafted down the mountain, right? That's so great. My horse's name was Ebenezer. <laughs> and he that fits because you're, you're kind of a Scrooge type of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had zero riding. You know, I, did the Asian woman talents. beat you up at the top of the hill? Yes, that's she a did. different time. <laughs> I know it is. Still, would be awesome. If everywhere you went, the Asian woman yeah, was running. That's a true story, ladies and gentlemen. In was it was in Calgary. Where it was, was in Banff, wasn't it? It was in Banff. Banff. That's right, Banff, Canada. Catherine and I are hiking up this this uh, mountain. What's the name of the mountain? Tower Mountain. Beehive or, or Beehive or Tower, whatever. Might it was. Even Beehive. So we're walking up there, and it's like, yeah, this is not bad. You know, it's a little bit. This. Asian woman comes by wearing high heels and just blows right by us. She's wearing high heels, baby? climbing a mountain. Like, what the hell well, are you doing? She only had like 65 pounds to move up and yeah, down Yeah, she was not it's a, a big different. person. That's very, very true. Teensy person. But I'll never forget, oh, she kicked our ass, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, how about this one? I, I did weigh like 315 back then So yeah. when we went up this thing. So we're standing up, and Catherine's taking a video going, well, here's Tom at the top of the mountain. We're at the, at the very top of the mountain. This guy walks over, or a woman. It was a woman walks over to me. She goes, did you enjoy your climb? I said, yeah, it was really great. She goes, yeah, I know what you're saying, because I have asthma. <laughs> so I got a Japanese woman in high heels and a woman with asthma kicking my ass. That's really great. That really, I was very, very happy about all of it, I'll tell you. It was really wonderful. You give me all this. And then, by the way, when we're whitewater rafting, the, the guy's from Ireland, but he moved he from Ireland to Canada. He was a maniac. And he kept looking at me the whole trip going, I just remember something. Canada kicked your ass in the one war. I'm like, what are you talking about? Apparently there was one war between Canada and the United States. Was it the War of 1812? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But he kept repeating to me how Canada kicked America's ass in the war. I'm like, that was like 200 years ago. What a lot of Canadians are really proud of the war of 1812. Wow. I was talking to Lane Christensen last night at the the Saints game, and they played, because they were playing Winnipeg, they played the American anthem and the Canadian anthem. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Colbert who said, Canada's a rather boring country. Even their national anthem says, oh, Canada. Canada. It's pretty cool, but yeah, we got a lot of those stories, man. It's unbelievable. 
We're, when we're up, well, we, we'll probably go up Barn Bluff when we're down there, I would assume. Certainly. It's a great hike. If we can fit it in between all <laughs> our social engagements. you have the motorized bike down there with you? No. 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 We did a regular bike. It's a fairly, it's not that challenging. Honestly, But no, it's in it's the not. shade, so it's really nice. And yeah, hopefully no rain. It will not yeah. be in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Dr. Curly is on. Oh, really? Oh. We're ready to go? I'm glad to hear that. Oh. That's a wonderful thing. We're just talking about, uh, Dr. Curly, we're just talking about hiking up mountains in Canada and women in high heels and a woman with asthma beat me to the top. It was really great. I'll just tell you. Well, we're going to have to talk to you about your aerobic conditioning, man. Well, it's a lot better now. I'm, where are you going? Well, you big baby. All right. So Catherine and Michael are leaving. See you. All right, see you later. Have a good day. Honestly, God, Dr. Curley, she abandons me all the time, my wife. She just gets up and leaves. It's unbelievable. Uh, my, in my hands, compelling stories from a surgeon and his patients fighting cancer. Oh, my God. It's quite a, quite a book. In my hands, a collection of compassionate, insightful, and empowering stories of resilience, hope, and determination drawn from Dr. Curley's years of practice. Where did you practice? I've been a surgical oncologist for 28 years. I was at the MD Anderson Cancer Center for 24, Baylor for about four and a half, and have recently moved to Tyler, Texas, to the Christus Trinity Mother Francis Hospital to open a new program. Is Tyler where that beautiful lake is? Yes, it is. Oh, God, that lake is gorgeous. I was down there one time, and I will never... A friend of mine lives on, on that lake. What's the name of the lake? Uh, it is a great lake. Well, there's two. There's Lake Palestine, and then there's Lake Tyler. Palestine is the bigger of the two. Yeah, pa- the Palestine's the one that I went in. And that's, a, uh, it's just amazing that it's a huge lake. It's beautiful. The scenery's gorgeous. You're a lucky man to be living there. I'm enjoying it already. Haven't been here long, but I'm having a good time. That's yeah, a wonderful thing. What drove you to write the book? My patience, actually. Okay. Um, I've been fortunate enough over the course of my career to meet a remarkable group of people from all walks of life, and I've always been a note-taker and a reader, so whenever somebody tells me an interesting story or something unusual happens, I put it down in a journal. And over the years, I would tell my patients stories about other people who had faced a similar diagnosis or a similar problem, you know, to give them some encouragement, to give them some connection to realize that other people have gone through this very frightening event of being diagnosed with cancer, and uh, just a sense of connection, sense of humanity. And my patients kept telling me, you know, those stories that you tell are really great. You should write them down someday. So I finally mm-hmm. did. Now, doctor, what, what drove you in the first place to become a doctor? Did you always want to be a doctor when you were a little kid? No, I do not come from a family of physicians. This is going to sound like the strangest thing you've ever heard. I grew up in the high desert of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, okay, yeah. And because we didn't have much water, I decided for a while as a teenager I wanted to be an oceanographer. Uh, but fortunately, when I was in school, all undergraduate, I applied for both oceanography and medical school because I love science and I love helping people. And fortunately, I chose the right career. I went into helping people. That's a good thing. I want to read... Uh a couple of sentences here and then ask you about it and talk to you about it because, well, I can make a comment on you personally. Dr. Curley frames each chapter around an essential quality from hope and courage to faith and empathy to gratitude and acceptance. We right now need this kind of story more than any because we were just talking in the first hour about how people just are so mad at each other now and to the level of hatred. So to hear a nice story about hope and courage and faith and empathy and gratitude and acceptance from people who are, aren't feeling that well, I think it's a huge lesson for us. I hope it's a huge lesson for us. Well, I hope it is, too, and that's one of the points of the book. Uh, you know, cancer is, and it really doesn't care who you are, how important you think you are, you know, gender, race, you name it. You can go down the full list. could care less. It's going to hit anybody that it's going to hit. You know, the striking thing is it's now... It's now realized we're probably about one in three Americans will be diagnosed with cancer at some point in their life. One in three? So that means one in three. One in three. And as a result, that means if it doesn't strike you, you're certainly going to know some people who are affected. Well, you know, I can go to a room and, and give a talk and say, how many people here 
have had cancer, please stand. How many people have had a family member with cancer? By the time I say how many people have known somebody with cancer, everybody's standing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's just nobody that has not been affected by this. Um, and going back to your question, sort of what led me to do this, uh, when I was a surgical resident, unfortunately, uh, it struck my family. I had an 18-year-old cousin. who was diagnosed with a rare type of cancer called Ewing sarcoma right before her senior year of high school. And I watched her suffer enormously over the next several months, Uh, chemotherapy, radiation, Mm. pain, deterioration, and of course, finally her death. And it was devastating to obviously her family, her parents, my parents, all of us. We were a very tight knit group. And I became openly angry at cancer and I'm still angry at cancer. I'm still angry at what it does to people and I'm, that's why I'm still battling it. I, I need to take a very quick break, just like two minutes if that's all right, Dr. Curley. We'll be right back with you to hear the rest of, of your course. story. Thank you, sir. Be right back. Dr. Stephen Curley. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's very, very important to read in my hands compelling stories from a surgeon and his patients fighting cancer. So maybe stop complaining to each other. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. We are here with Chris Lindahl. What's the latest? Chris Lindahl Real Estate, the real estate brokerage, is finally here. We've declared our innovation independence. Your innovation independence? <laughs> you're, you're dressed independently today, I will tell you that. That's- you look good, man. You look great. <laughs> Thank you. And we also have something super exciting for KQ listeners. We are going to give away a free listing side commission now through June 29th. How does that work? So, so we're going to sell someone's house for free. What? Yeah. That's yep. pretty good. Yeah, and it's just a way of saying thank you. And KQRS has been amazingly supportive to the Chris Lindahl brand and now to Chris Lindahl Real Estate. It's a way for us to say thank you. It's also not a bare bones offer. So everything that Chris Lindahl does to get you top dollar for your house, we're still going to do. And we're going to do it potentially for free for one listener. Now, how do people get that done? How, how, how do they qualify for the – was it a drawing or what is it? Yep, so it's, so it's a drawing. So you can go to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. And you can click on the free listing side commission giveaway tab to sign up. Or you can call 763-401-SOLD. That is a wonderful thing. And when, uh, when do they need to do this buy? So the deadline is June 29th. June 29th. And how do they do it? They go to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K or call 763-401-SOLD. And I just want to say thank you so much for all of the support during our transition. We're super excited and we're bringing innovation to another level. It is a wonderful thing. Chris Lindahl. Thank you. You're a good man. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Ooh, child. You went with the ooh, child. All right. I love this song. It's a great song. I bet you people didn't even know that Tevin could sing. <laughs> I have an angelic voice. What? I have an angelic voice. Angelic, yeah. okay. <laughs> Dr. Stephen Curley, our very special guest. In my hands, compelling stories from a surgeon and his patients fighting cancer. Um, so you chose to get into the field. Uh, fighting cancer. Uh, it takes a lot of a lot of uh, internal fortitude, I guess is what the, what they like to call it. It's got to take tremendous strength at first, at, at least, and maybe for the rest of your career, to do what you do. I would think. Well, it does. I mean, it can be physically taxing. Right. You know, long days in the operating room, um, but emotionally, that's you know, harder to measure. And there certainly is an emotional toll. Uh, and I see that played out in different way in some colleagues. Some people can become very hardened and callous and seemingly uncaring. And I do hear those complaints from some patients about colleagues. Oh, really? Uh, I've always chosen to be, you know, to get in the arena and bleed and sweat with my patients. Um, and you know, as a result, I get very close to them. I have people I've followed for over 20 years now. I've had patients who I've taken care of for many years, and some of these are stories that are in the book who 
you know, we've managed to keep battling together for six, 10, 12 years, but ultimately they succumb to their cancer. And I become very close to these people. And so it's painful. It's, uh, there's loss and there's mourning when they pass. But I've always said, if I get to the point where I stop feeling anything, that it's time for me to hang up my spurs, as we say in Texas, uh, because I just won't be as engaged. I won't be able to provide that kind of compassionate and empathetic care. Now, do you have to personally tell relatives that their loved one is maybe stage four cancer? Are you the one that would have to go to the family and tell them that, or does somebody else do that? All the time. All the time. That's part of the job. Um, It's interesting. One of the chapters in the book, it's the next to the last chapter, actually, is called uh, This is Too Real. And it tells the story of a chief resident who was with me. And I was having a very difficult conversation with a woman and her family, letting her know that her cancer had come back. And we really were out of options for treatment. And we needed to talk about what we could do to support her. And suddenly uh, from behind me, I hear a sob. And the resident said, this is too real and fled from the room. Oh! When I finally found her, it turned out that a year before her mother had died from metastatic breast cancer and she had never really dealt with it. She had never really processed it. And hearing me have that very gut wrenching conversation with the patient and her family and dealing with the tears and the fear and the angst just brought it all back up for her. So that was a good lesson for her and a good lesson for me to remind everybody involved in taking care of cancer patients, including family members. This is a community, and we are a community here to help, and that means helping one another, including the caregivers. You know, you mentioned earlier that there seems to be a lot of divisiveness, and mm-hmm. you know, this is certainly an issue where I, there, it makes no sense to be divisive. We have to pull together. This disease affects everyone and anyone, and so... It's really something that I think it was helpful to me writing the book, kind of focusing in on that energy. Not all of the stories have happy endings. Some of the patients die from their cancer. But nonetheless, they displayed remarkable qualities, remarkable virtues that were a lesson and a blessing to me. Dr. Curley, um, it's been 40, I think it's 47 years since President uh, Nixon declared a war on cancer, we're going to alleviate cancer. We're just going to get rid of it completely. Does it come in so many different phases and so many different places that it's just really hard to, to single out a way to get rid of cancer completely? Well, um, unfortunately, we tend to be our own worst enemy in terms yeah. of getting rid of cancer. You know, it would help a lot if people wouldn't do certain things that put them at higher risk, smoking cigarettes, for example. Uh, Obviously, everybody's heard about the obesity epidemic. We now know that obesity and lack of exercise really markedly increases your risks of many types of cancer. Certainly, people who work in certain types of jobs around certain chemicals and certain environments, all are at higher risk to develop cancer. So it would really be nice if we would be thoughtful and come up with ways to prevent cancer. I, I make that point in the book. Preventing cancer is far preferable to treating it because right. once we have to treat it, it's out of the barn and we're, we're now chasing it. We're now trying to track it down and you know get it before it gets the patient. No, we I... are making remarkable strides you know, in terms of the oh. science, the genetics of cancer. We're now doing what is called precision medicine in some patients, not everybody. We hope to get to everybody within the next 15 or 20 years. It's a little bit science fiction right now, but ultimately we'd like to get to where we can come up with very precise treatments based on the actual genetics of a given person's cancer and find the right types of drugs or immunotherapies, surgery, whatever the combination is to give that patient their best chance. That's a wonderful thing. I, I, I would assume and maybe I'm wrong, but I would assume there are very, very few incompetent cancer surgeons. Are there? I mean, you, you could never get to that point if if you couldn't handle this thing completely, right? 
No, and cancer surgery is a very highly specialized area. Uh, we have a national society called the Society of Surgical Oncology, and there's less than 2,000 of us in that society. So it is a special ad- additional uh, training that you do for two or three years after your general surgery residency. It does require sort of a special mindset to be able to deal with cancer patients day in, day out continuously and make sure that you're there for them. So uh, it is a very select group of people who do this. Yeah, no question about it. Are you really, you got to be on a daily basis very happy you chose to do what you do because, yes, you do have to deliver bad news to people, but there are times when you are very, very successful and the cancer is gone and it stays gone. That's got to be a terrific thing. Oh, yeah. I have clinic days where it's, uh, you know, just absolutely great. Everybody's in a great mood because all the patients are doing well. They're recovering from their operations. Everybody feels good. No cancer back. Everybody's happy. Then, unfortunately, the reverse side, the dark side of that is every now and then you have a day where you have to tell four or five people, look, I'm sorry, your cancer's back. And you have to have that tough conversation and let them know that, you know, you're still in the still in the fray you're still in the mix you're still there to help them see that's a one i mean it's got to. again you go home and you sit down at a dinner table i gotta believe pretty much every day you go you know i did my best to contribute to the great society and that's got to be very very a very nice feeling to know that you did everything you could to help out you know i i have one of the most blessed lives imaginable i get to help people every day I get to learn new things every day. I get to teach other people every day. What could be better? No, you're absolutely right. The book is called In My Hands, Compelling Stories from a Surgeon and His Patients Fighting Cancer. Dr. Stephen Curley, it's C-U-R-L-E-Y, and the book is available everywhere? It is, yep. Excellent. Online, usual retail outlets, etc. Yeah, I got to tell you, Dr. Curley, and I don't, I don't mean to be trite with this at all, but you seem like a really nice guy just talking to you on the phone. You really do. Well, I appreciate that. One of my favorite things to hear from my patients or when I go and meet a new colleague or work with a new nursing unit, my favorite thing is when they say, you know, you don't act like a surgeon. Said, well, thank you for noticing. Uh, this, this is not about my ego. This is about taking care of folks. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with people who are scared and who are looking down the gun at their own mortality, potentially. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm locked and loaded to help them. You're a good man, doctor. Thank you very much for your time today. Really nice talking to you, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Have, Have a day. great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, we need a lot more people like that in the world, don't we? Yes. I mean, I could you do that? Go to a family and say, hey, you know, your dad, uh, he won't be going on with you. Right. Yeah, you're constantly just delivering the worst news people have probably heard in their lives over yeah. and over and over again. It takes a lot of strength to do it. You, you do everything you can to try to fight it off, and obviously. But he just seems like a really nice guy, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He's like, eh, you know, I try to do the best that I possibly can, and. No, I, I, quite honorable. No, no doubt about that. One in three people, though, he said, diagnosed or deal one, with two, cancer. Three. There's oh. one, two, three people. I'm I I diagnosed myself with cancer oh, when, I was, when I was a little kid. Okay, I was showering at my grandma's house, and she had like the uh, like a cartoon character drawing on, hanging from her shower head that was like "Check yourself for lumps, ladies." Oh, and no. I was like, <laughs> I was like joking, like, "Oh, check yourself for lumps." Like, what what is he talking about? And like checked my breast and like there was i had like a swollen lymph node or something in my chest uh. and so i was like oh my gosh i have cancer um and actually ended up making my mom take me to the doctor because i convinced myself after like a month of keeping it a secret <laughs> that, had that i had breast cancer and like go to the doctor and he laughs at me and he's like no if like it's common thing going through puberty whatever blah 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 go back home and then like i think it was like a month later i was at a friend's house in I had this another like lymph node thing swollen up in God. my armpit, and mm-hmm. I was like, it was hurting one day, and I was telling my friend like, oh yeah, because of puberty, like the lymph node in your arm swells up, and he's like, what are you talking about? Like that's never happened to me. It's never happened to any of us. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, well, I have armpit cancer. I couldn't go back to the doctor though because I was no, like, I can't be no. the guy that goes twice for well, no. cancer. Yeah. So I'm 
an armpit cancer survivor. Well, men can get breast cancer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Believe it or not. It's but not yeah, common, I know what you yeah. do. I've had that swollen lymph node in the armpit, and it's not very comfortable to have. No. And yeah, I was convinced for like a year that I had survived armpit cancer. Oh, like, good God. <laughs> Look who's a hero in this room. A me, that's who. God, but unbelievable. cancer affects so many people. Whether oh, it's yeah. just, I mean, my mom passed away. She had lymphoma. And actually, I mean, it really wasn't the cancer that got her. It was the treatment, the chemo. Oh, that's Completely what, that's wiped what out I've her heard. immune system. Yeah. And she fell ill with, I mean, she went from being upright, cooking breakfast, to being on a ventilator in an um, intensive oh, care God. unit that night. Wow. So that's how fast, you know, a virus or bacterial infection can affect somebody on chemo. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not a pleasant um experience especially for family members watching your you know your loved one go through all the treatments and everything it's horrific so i'm hoping that you know doctors can find ways to treat it other than just the standard chemo treatment yeah they need to instead of doing a broad spectrum of treatment for every type of cancer and just say we're giving you chemo try and individualize it to the person and what's mm. going on with them specifically. I think that might. Yeah. And I mean, even like, and not being an expert at all, but it seems like we've come a long way in the treatment of cancer because mm-hmm. I remember when I was little and you hear people getting cancer, you're like, oh, well, they're not going to make mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. It's like a death sentence where now it's like you almost expect people to, to survive. Beat, yeah. To beat cancer a little mm-hmm. bit more. I'm telling you, I will never forget this. When I was a little kid, probably, I don't know, 10, maybe 11. We were going to go up to Long Prairie and visit some family friends. And, you know, family and friends, I should mm-hmm. say. So we go up there, and my mom says to me, you know, we're going to go over and see so-and-so and so-and-so, but i got to tell you, uh, you know, he, he has cancer, so if he looks a little weird, just, you know, don't say anything because he has cancer. I said, he's going to die? And she goes, yeah, yeah, he's going to die. We get to their house. He has blood coming out of his nose, his mouth, his oh. eyes, his ear. I think he lived like two more days. Like, oh, God, God, why did I have to see that? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, and that's the, I feel like that should there should have been more explanation than that he just looks good. a little weird. Yeah. Like, like, uh. yeah. It's like, you ever seen the movie Dracula? <laughs> God. It was terrifying, though, because I, I liked him. He was a very nice guy. He was a really mm-hmm. good guy and a family friend for a long time, but... Jesus, pal, I mean, I'm like, whoa, settle down there, Bella Lugosi. <laughs> what do you got cooking? I don't know. It, it, we need a lot more people like Dr. Stephen Curley, though, because he, he's very compassionate. He's a hard worker. He tries to do his best for everybody. It cannot be easy to go out and tell somebody that their loved one is dying and they're not going to make it. That's, it takes very special people. So maybe what you should do is read uh, Dr. Curley's book, and then maybe stop bitching at one another about political crap that doesn't really even matter because the people in Washington, D.C. are going to make all the rules anyway. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, we can elect the right people. Yeah, if they buy your vote because that's what's going on now. It's a lot of vote buying. Mm-hmm. We will be back in just a couple of minutes. Hour 3, Tom Bernard Show.